This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Economists are warning of growing social tensions as South Africans battle with socioeconomic issues following the release, of course, of this consumer price inflation data by Statistics South Africa on Wednesday, which was yesterday. Today is Thursday. According to Stats SA, Statistics South Africa, the annual consumer price inflation eased for a second month to 7.2% in December. The figures come down from 74 in November, and I think it was even more in October. We, I think it was 7.5 in October, if I'm not, if I'm not, 7.6 in October, if I'm not mistaken. The figure comes down, of course, from 7.4 in November, uh, 7.6 in October, and we, and we find it sort of on a downward easing a little bit. Are we then out of the woods yet? We speak with Patrick Kelly, Chief Director Responsible for Price Statistics at Stats SA. Waiting uh, in line, of course, to join the conversation a little later is Neil uh, Ralefate, economist at Investec, and Sandilian Glovo, economists at UNISA. But let's get to Patrick Kelly first. Patrick Kelly, the inflation number for December was in line, of course, uh, with, with, with the expectations, with market expectations, not hiding uh, any nasty shocks um, sort of um, as was the case in previous months. Let's talk about uh, what Stats SA released firstly, and then, of course, what, what it means. Sure. Good evening, Denzel. Uh, sure. So, as you indicated, we, we released the Consumer Price Index, which is a, a, the inflation that households experience, uh, let's say, as a whole, mm. um, through buying you know, different types of consumer goods. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, we put this out each month, and you've indicated the, the last couple of uh, month figures. Um, mm. And you know, what we also do in December then is we look back at the year mm. and we say, on average, how has inflation been? Um, and, and so in addition to the, the 7.2 monthly figure that we, we put out, we also reported that uh, annual inflation was 6.9% mm-hmm. uh, average annual inflation, which, which is uh, high by historical numbers. I mean, we haven't seen a number like that since uh, 2009. Mm. Um, so and that was, and that was, and that was the, 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 the global sort of crisis, wasn't it? 2000, 2008, 2009, round about 2010. Yes, yes. So that had a very significant impact on on inflation. You know, 2008, which is I think when the, the crisis was at its peak, mm. we were over 11% um, annual average. So uh, certainly these global uh, phenomena do have have an impact on our local inflation, and that's uh, really what's been driving inflation for the last uh, year or so as well. Has been uh, you know a global. Uh, phenomena rather than kind of domestic factors. Mm. So, 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 what what does it really mean for the for the for the man in the street? Let's let let's get to somebody who's listening, and 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 listening to you know a, a, a statistic that says the average annual inflation you know for for 2022 sat at 6.9 percent. Uh, the annual consumer price inflation cooled you know for a for a second time in December to 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 what was that number 7.2 from yes, from 7.4. Yeah, sure. and 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 that and that reading being the softest reading since may which was you know 7.6 percent what is what does it all mean when when you're talking about through buying you know different consumer 
you know, products and, and, and through the months. What, 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 when somebody, sure. when the layman is listening to, you know, Stats SA release that, um, what, what, what does it mean for him? What, how does it impact him? Yeah. So I think, I mean, let me first of all say what is it that we're trying to put out there is that if we were to take the kind of uh, spending patterns of all the households in the country together Mm. um, and we look at all the things that they might possibly buy and we measure them every month. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, we, uh, you know, talking about, you know, bread and maize on one hand and other food items all the way through to a car. Mm. Uh, or TV or whatever that you might, uh, you might you know, some people will never buy it and some people buy it every few years. Mm. Uh, so all of these things we do measure every month. Um, but, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, people often say, oh, this number that Stats say puts out, you know, that doesn't reflect my inflation <laughs> yeah, experience yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, that's quite understandable because we're not trying to track each individual person's experience. And as I've said, some things you buy quite often and other things you hardly mm. ever buy. Mm. So, you know, what I find quite useful uh, at the moment is, is to just try and, and uh, zone in on those categories, uh, those products that are really driving inflation higher at the moment. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so one way I like to look at this is to actually take, uh, there's, two, uh, there's two broad categories that are driving inflation. One is mm. food and non-alcoholic beverages, and the yeah. other is fuel, motor vehicle fuel. Sure. So if we were to take those two out of the equation, uh, we'd be on 5.1%, yeah. um, you know, compared to the 72 yeah. Uh, so, so that does tell us, and, and that's the number has kind of been, you know, going up much more slowly, and and it's kind of uh, pretty stable at the moment. Mm. Um, and so that tells us then that it's food and non-alcoholic beverages, as well mm. as fuel, that really is pushing inflation quite high. Mm. Uh, so if we if we look at those uh, a, a bit, then uh, sorry, the other way of of looking at it as well is mm. um, if we look at non-durable items okay mm. so that what that means is those are things that we buy quite regularly sure, okay sure. so durable items would be cars and sure. all that stuff so so if we look at non-durable items which is really that would be our sense of inflation from a day-to-day basis is that oh, I, spe- I paid this much last week for this thing and t- this week i'm paying something else so if we look at that that's at um uh, 11.7%. Mm. Okay. So that kind of gap between the 5.1 and the 11.7 is, is sort of what's, what's really causing, uh, the pain in people's pockets at the moment. Mm. Mm. Uh, so food, food inflation is particularly high at the moment. It's about, uh, 12 and a half percent. Um, and if we look, drill down into that, really there's, um, a couple of main groups that are, are the culprits here. First of all, bread and cereal products, which is really our, our staple products, mm, yeah, yeah. bread, pasta, those kind of things, uh, is at 20.6%. Wow. Mm. Um, and this, is, this has been high consistently through the year. Mm. Um, you know, it started off with some adverse weather conditions in other parts of the world that pushed the price of uh, certain products higher, mm. the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm. Uh, I was wanting um, to come to that because, I mean, yeah. we, we're talking grain and wheat and, and everybody's talking about Russia and Ukraine. And, and, and that was the story in the beginning of that war anyway. Yes, exactly. Mm. And look, they did manage to get products out. Mm. But I think by that stage, uh, you know, there were cumulative effects of supply chain issues or whatever around the world. Mm. And, you know, if one looks at inflation in other countries, it's, all countries have experienced very high inflation over the last year, um, which, which really does indicate that it's these kind of global phenomena. Historically, in South Africa, when food prices go high, it normally relates to drought conditions. Mm. Um, and that was the situation in 2016, which was kind of our last, uh, most recent sort of high period of food inflation. Mm. 
Um, but you know, uh, you know, if you want to talk about uh, you know people's experience, I mean, maize meal prices, which is our main staple yeah. in the country, is up over thirty three percent over the year. Sure. Um, you know, so so that that you know that's that's a real impact uh, for for people. What, what was that figure of maize meal? Thirty three point seven percent. Thirty three percent over the last twelve months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 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 you know prices. I I saw a stat. I saw a stat talking about price increasing on average by twelve percent over the past twelve months. That's that's goods in general. But that that is ex- that's ex- exceptionally high. And also we saw in the beginning of the Ukrainian war, we were talking about what was it? Uh, oil, um, uh, yes. cooking oil that that also Correct. went you know sky high. So cooking oil went sky high, and in fact, that that didn't have a lot to do with the the war in Ukraine. That actually had to do with weather phenomena uh, mm. somewhere in Asia. Um, and uh, look, that's that that hit massive numbers, and actually has been coming back a bit uh, mm. over the last uh, four months or so. We've seen declines um, in uh, the price of cooking oil and margarine and the like. Um, mm. So that overall index is is now at twenty two point four percent. Uh, but it was, I think, if I remember correctly, um, up around the 40% year-on-year mm. rate uh, mm. not that long ago. Mm. Patrick, I've got the economists also lined up here. But 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 some of them are saying uh, there, there is hope on the horizon uh, for for this particular cash-strapped South African. Uh, and they're looking at inflation dropping from, from maybe March, you know, uh, somewhere mid-month, and then by the end of the year further. And, 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 and they're saying, you know, it, 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 there's, there's some good news. Are, are you able even to talk as stats A about good news, or do you talk about the numbers as you see the numbers? Yeah, we normally talk about it retrospectively, but uh, mm. I, I mean, I think that what you can look at is what are the factors that have been causing high inflation, and are mm. those factors still in existence or not? Um, you know, and I think that that uh, I mean, some of these these uh, factors may remain in place. So, you know, I, I don't really have a view on maize meal, mm. um, but you know, the, the cooking oil prices have started to come down. I think we can look at fuel prices. You know, fuel prices, uh, obviously, we all, you know, for those people that drive cars, it's a direct cost. But for many people, it's just an indirect cost of, of operating machinery, of transporting goods from one place to another. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we uh, have, uh, we're, we're, uh, have, have dropped down a bit um, in, in fuel inflation. Mm. But uh, it's... Um, uh, sorry. So, but we have been in double-digit territory, uh, you know, over... Uh, Kind of a, a year and a half, mm. um, and so these these increases then are built into the price, mm. Um, mm. you know. And although overall inflation may slow down, even if we drop from seven point two percent to four percent, that still means that prices are going up by four percent each year. Yeah. Um, now, in that whole calculation, some prices may come down, and we know fuel prices, as an example, do drop down. Mm. Um, and in January, we did see a drop, and that will obviously uh, assist the overall calculation. Um, but but we um, you know we, we shouldn't be lulled into a sense that when uh, you know inflation slows down that food that that prices are not increasing they are increasing but they're just increasing at a slower rate. Sure, Patrick Patrick Kelly, I want to say thank you so much, Chief Director responsible for price statistics at Stasa. Thank you so much for 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 just coming in and 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 giving some 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 solidness to to the numbers and 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 what that all means. Thank you. That's a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's 23 minutes past 11 o'clock. Well, there you heard it. Uh, Patrick Kelly there, of course, from, of course, that's a 
Stats SA talking, of course, about the annual consumer price inflation having cooled for a second time in December to 7.2, of course, from uh, the 7.4 in November. Um, and, and of course, uh, in October, it was 7.6. Let me bring uh, my two guests into the conversation at the, at the moment. Neil Ralefeta and, of course, Sandile Ndlovu. Uh, uh, Neil, welcome to Power Perspective. How are you? Good evening, thank you. Good evening to your listeners. I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, good, man. And compliments of the season, bro. All the best for the year. Sure, sure, man. Sandile Ndlovu, welcome to Power 98.7. Uh, compliments of the season and, and thank you for joining us, man. No problem, sir. You're welcome. Ah, right on. Let me let me start with with you, Neil. Um, and 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 this is this is basically to both of you, right? So so you've heard the numbers, you've seen the numbers, and then of course uh, there's there's this whole risk of civil unrest linked and 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 tied to the cost of basic necessities and 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 economic frustrations. And I want to get into a little bit about that that conversation but i also want to want to get into a conversation of the economics and 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 let me start off with with laying a foundation for both you and and sandile so the french revolution uh cost millions of lives but it kick-started modern day europe and it was preceded by none other than a plus minus 55 percent rise in the cost of bread and that was the French Revolution. In China, hyperinflation, uh, pe- particularly impacting people in Shanghai, prices increased over a very short period of time and then, of course, arguably hastened the withdrawal of the Nationalist Party and the rise of the Communist Party. And then in Moscow, anger over the, pros- the price of salt sparked uprising in 1648. Hundreds of people in that particular uprising uh, uh, you know, uh, seen seen to have lost their lives. So over time, over time, Neo, and I'm going to start with you. Yeah. We've seen that you know the economy drives certain initiatives, and 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 when people are hard done by, by whatever whatever they think they are hard, you know, uh, hard done by, um, they will they will behave in a, in a in a particular manner. And in certain instances, and I want to use also the Durban, the KZN instance as well, and people ascribe it to some of the economic issues, but people also ascribe it to some of the political issues. So so in in essence, when when we begin to look at the hardships beginning to you know mount around South Africans and and their lifestyles, we've also got to be very very wary of a secondary element or or something in the background that could begin to stir. Uh, do you guys, when when you're doing the numbers, when you're cracking the numbers, when you're having conversations, also kind of factor in and say, you know what, there are risks here that could lead to you know uh, socioeconomic issues. Um, those things are, are are almost very difficult to to model mathematically uh, when yeah. it comes to you know trying to predict uh, what might happen to society and how might people might behave or respond. Mm. You know, but um, just touching on, on 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 the issue of inflation and what it does really in society is that it it affects the poor disproportionately when it, well when compared to how it affects the wealthy and the rich, mm, you know, and mm. I mean, if you look at staple foods that Patrick just touched on, yeah. uh, the cost, you know, the rising cost of cooking oil, of bread and maize meal, we know that those, those three things are really in, in, in the basket of, of, of the poor, poor mm. South Africans. Mm. And 
what inflation really does is that it starts increasing and putting pressure on on this inequality that already exists in South Africa. And mm. I think it's that inequality that might push us over the edge, you know, if you continue to let things run over the way they've been running over. So that I think that's the biggest risk, increasing inequality in South Africa. And, um, and of course, the loss of hope with mm. unemployment levels being where they are. Um, those sort of factors, when you just kind of put them together in one melting pot, mm. it might create a very, very serious bomb for, us, for our society. And it's, it's very unpredictable and it's hard to call when it might happen. Mm. So, so, so let me go to Sandile. Sandile, I'm going to put those three scenarios of the French and, and of course, Moscow and, and in China to you as well. And, and I'll put the same question to you and, and, and talk about the risks. And, and of course, government, government per se would be looking at those particular risks very, very, very carefully because, you know, there are political consequences of, of something like that. And, 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 you know, we've seen Gwede Mantasha begin to talk about Gwedem and Tashe begin to talk about uh, uh, ESCOM and, and talk about treason and, and, and regime change just where ESCOM is concerned because, of course, Im- ESCOM impacting on South Africans' lives in a certain way. And if South Africans begin to, uh, begin to shape a particular narrative without any particular uprising and or protests anywhere, it could manifest in votes. And, and there's a very, very deep concern there within the within the ANC, for example, around that. When you look at, you know, the scenarios of load shedding and ESCOM and increased electricity hikes and all of these things happening in South Africa too, the same question I ask Nao, do you do you also begin to factor in socioeconomic risks? And he says it's hard to do that because you just never, never know. Uh, you can work with the numbers. Um, how, how do you how do you look at that, Sandile? Um well, obviously, there is very high political risk with the high unemployment that is in our country mm. and also the high inflation. Mm. Um, that's why, like, you're also seeing um, even members of the ANC, even supporters of the ANC are starting now not to support um, Ramaphosa mm. and they want him out because they can see that um, ESCOM is failing mm. and due to this energy crisis, a lot of Appliances are being damaged, which adds to the cost of businesses. Um, this energy crisis is also adding to unemployment. So it's really causing a whole host of problems. Mm. And um, with, high un- with high inflation, um, that basically means that people's disposable income mm. decreases. So people, especially low-income families, are poorer now. So that will also add to political risk. Um, so it's just basically um, a whole host of problems that that um, that comes from inflation. Mm. But um, we'll see um, next year with the election. Mm. Uh, by that time, you'll see that um, there will be a very, very high political risk. And you also see that in the financial market soon, there will be high volatility. So... Um, with high unemployment, high inflation, um, you'll definitely see that um, in the in the in the in the financial markets. You'll also see that um, with people actually fighting, mm. uh, fighting their political leaders in order to solve all these problems. Mm. Is let me stay, stick with you and uh, Sandile before I go back to now. Is is there good news in the sense of? 
the gravity of the current moment, this gravity of of the South African moment that we see within, you know, that that's that's ta- that's taking shape within South Africa. And and let me say, and and I use the word good news, and and you know, just defined as good news at the moment. But is the good news the fact that the gravity of this current moment? Is, is not lost on political leaders. They they know, you know, the, the repercussions. They they know it's not something that's that's going to blindside them because ultimately they an integral part of of some of the problems as well, if not some of the initiators of some of the problems as well. And and many and many and 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 particularly a government like ours has has and I will use some examples has sought to maybe shield people from from the worst aspects of some of the rising costs and I, and I I look at grants and I look at the 350 during covid and particularly grants do you, do you do you do you think that you know the the gravity of our current situation is acknowledged people understand it or there's there, there's something brewing and 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 you know, when we talk about the impact of the poor, increasing equality, loss of hope, unemployment, the unemployment numbers, is it something that sometimes just, you know, um, runs ahead of some of the politicians, even though they might want to make these interventions, whereas grants and the 350s, but, but these problems run ahead of politicians and, 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 and eventually begin to, term, to determine how things are going to work out? Um, I don't think that um, people will let this pass, you know, because mm. people are very, very angry. I mean, state switch load shedding um, is still occurring, and apparently mm. this energy crisis is still ongoing. Mm. So people will keep on getting angry, and um, prices are also not decreasing. Inflation is still high, mm. even though inflation decreased from 6.4% to 7.2%. China might reopen in a few months. That would lead to a spike in oil prices yeah. and another increase in oil prices, which will translate into um, high inflation and high interest rates. Mm. And high interest rates are also a problem for the economy because they decrease investment. They also decrease demand. Mm. So you'll also probably see a recession in South Africa. And people will look at the recession and look at the political leaders. And that will also translate into high political risk mm. and yeah, so like the problems in South Africa are definitely um, increasing, mm. and the government really needs to um, apply the appropriate uh, fiscal policies and the appropriate monetary policies to solve all these problems and increase employment. Mm. Now, now, is it worthwhile now? Um, yeah. Looking with 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 the kind of conversation we're having, the socio-economic kind of conversation linked, of course, you know, to to all sorts of things. Is it is it worthwhile? And you were you were saying earlier on that it's it's really really hard to determine, you know, um, whether some of these things are are directly linked. Um, but but let me put something to you then. You know, is 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 it is it worth recommending that you know the inclusion of Food prices, food price variables, for example, right, um, yeah. into into future studies of 
of civil conflict. So, so as you study civil conflict, you, you, you include uh, a, a food price variable and see if it's directly linked back. And so that we do ultimately have, you know, uh, stats and, and narratives and, and research that speaks directly to this kind of thing. Uh, the inclusion of a food price variable into, into the, you know, studies of civil conflict. Yeah. Um, look, I think, I think that's probably worth a look. Um, it would make a brilliant research topic. Um, but um, I think if we search hard enough, um, and I'll promise to get back to you on this one, mm. uh, there's probably a study that's, that's done on that already. Uh, yeah. We just need to find it and just go through it and see some sort of correlation between excessive food prices and uh, society's response to, to, to government. Mm. Um, I think there's probably something out there like that. Mm. Let, me, let me talk yeah. to you. You're, you're an economist at Investec, right? So, so, so episodes of social unrest... So so let's let's flip the coin a little bit. Yeah. And and not talk about, you know, the 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 other side. Let's talk about uh unrest first. So episodes of social unrest, conflict, yeah. political tension, po- policy uncertainty, right? Uh, those things obviously affect the economy. So 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 we 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 can talk about the economy impacting, you know, uh uh, uh, socioeconomic issues and and how and how that works. The economy gets worse, and yeah. so we see more and more socioeconomic issues. Let's turn it around. Let's say let's 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 for example say so episodes of 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 socioeconomic activity influencing, of course, the economy. That 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 must happen a lot in your space because you're dealing with political decisions every day. You're watching the political space. You're seeing load shedding. You're seeing, you know, an uncertainty and 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 all of those things and all of those are impacting an economy of which, of course, you're looking at directly. How, how well, do you, how do you then begin to even get to your 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 economic forecasts based on Based on on, on, on on what's going on, what 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 are you taking into consideration in the South African context to kind of get to the numbers when you start making you know economic forecasts? What 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 do you take into consideration? Uh, look, Sandile touched on something very important, and yeah. the the one thing that we really see popping almost immediately when something happens in the country is is the currency. We see the rand going off immediately, and then. After that, you almost see where it settles, which essentially starts telling you that there's a certain element of a risk premium or risk premium increase mm. that is starting to be priced in to, to the South African economy when mm. it comes to lending or, or our bonds and stuff like that. And I suppose that brings me to the point of, of these, these, um, these social grants or these relief grants that mm. were issued during COVID, these 350 grants that, you know, National Treasury hasn't really been been certain on whether this is going to be a, a permanent income grant or, or whether it's going to go away because it was only extended for, for about 12 months, you know, mm. from, the last, mm. um, from the last statements by, by the finance minister. And of course, we find ourselves as a country in this self-fulfilling prophecy, which feels like a downward spiral, mm. where we can't, afford, we can't afford these grants. Our tax base is shrinking. So, you know, um, the income that is collected to a small working force or from a small working force is now starting to shrink and shrink and shrink because of lack of economic growth and stuff like that. Mm. And those sort of factors then feed into the risk premium then that starts, that, that we can somewhat start modeling if, if that answers the question. Sure, 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 sure. I got you. So let me, let me stick with you. Um, and, and price hikes. 
let, let, yeah. let's just go back now to the kind of stats I say numbers a little bit uh, and, 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 and veer off a little bit. You know, uh, price hikes uh, and, and their impact on inflation numbers later on in the year. Uh, yeah. uh, w- what, are you, what are you looking at? Um, um, are you looking at a, a continued easing in of, you know, all of these things where we're talking about fuel and food prices uh, and, and, and how that's reflected in, in sort of the local inflation numbers? Um, what, 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 are you, what are you looking at price hikes and, and their impact on inflation numbers later on in the year? Um, I think, I think uh, what we're seeing going forward is that from, from inflation peaking at 7.8% sometime last year, yeah. um, and it's, it's really showing a downward trend, there's still going to be some shocks to the system. I mean, Sunila mentioning, I mentioned uh, China reopening. They're a big consumer of, of commodities on oil. Yeah. You know, they, they increase the amount of that oil. We're going to see it come through the petrol price, um, and that's going to shock inflation a little bit. Mm. Um, ESCOM just got that 18 point odd uh, percent increase um, that's going to feed into inflation as well. Um, uh, and with those factors, the good news really here, and I'm, I was just hoping to finish with some sort of good news. <laughs> is that, yeah, let's, let, let's go for it. Push, push in know, the good news here. You know, the good news is that, you know, by, by about the middle of the year, so call it, call it June, yeah. uh, we see inflation coming back down to that midpoint of the Saab target range of about four and a half percent, you know, so... So that is that is the good news. And what is suppose, what is what is now what is that target range? Some people say it's between three percent and six percent. What so so you've chosen the middle ground more or less there the four the four four percent four and a half percent. What is what is that target? What is that target, target range? Is the ho- target for headline inflation, and I think Patrick spoke to stripping out food, energy, and all of that. So yeah. if you include if you include those factors into into the equation, the target is between three and six percent, yeah. and the midpoint is four and a half percent. Okay. So by about the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, we'd be back at about 4.5% inflation. And I think that's really, really good, considering what our peers and other emerging economies are going through right now. Now, before I go back to Sandile, let me, let me stick with you because of just this one point. What do we need yeah. to be doing then as a country to be looking at that good news scenario? What, what do we need to be doing? Because, you know, uh, and, and, and we've got load shedding and, and, you know, ESCOM and all of these other things that we've got debt and all of these other, and, and you know, uh, the unemployment numbers don't look good. So that's our scenario. What, what do we need to be doing or, or, or uh, looking at to, to, to look at this particular good news story? Otherwise, you know, it materializes or it does not materialize based on what we do. It's a very difficult question to, to answer. Um, what I do hope is going to happen is that uh, Mr. President has, has gotten the nod for a second term from his party. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, you know, these, we, we've been talking about these fiscal reforms for the longest time, you know, and, and there's been no action there. And I'm hoping that, you know, with his, with his last and hoping final, final term in office, he'll be able to make those harsh decisions that really shift society because, the tide team seems to be coming in in other economies. And if we don't take this opportunity mm. with everything that we have at our disposal and all the resources we have at our disposal, uh, we, we, we might miss the bus. And, and I suppose one last thing is there's this phenomenon that, that the world is moving away from, from globalization mm. um, to, to some sort of localization. So we've got this opportunity to, to, to revitalize our, our industry and our manufacturing capabilities. And if we take those opportunities and build and build um, that capability as a country, mm. I think we'll be able to to lift a lot of people in the society. Sure, Sandile, 
Load, load shedding. Are, are we are we penciling it into into the kind of numbers down the road? Are we are we at an engaged stage where we know what's going on with load shedding? Where we having the kind of concrete conversations about what needs to be done? Because I'm worried that we're not having those numbers. You know, even the president, the president might not go to to Davos uh, in Switzerland. But, you know, that, that, that doesn't give us confidence that he is here and he has had meetings and they know what to do. From, from my understanding, um, he's, he's back here because of the severity of, of the situation. But also he's asking questions. What must we do? How can we do it? And, he, you know, there's, there's obviously an absence of a plan. Are we penciling in properly the kind of load shedding numbers? I don't think we are because ESCOM is basically the one and only producer of energy in South Africa. And it's, it's, um, it has very high debts in its books. So looking at the long term, these problems will still persist. And the only way to solve this is for the government to actually privatize ESCOM, allowing private investors to, to also be involved in the energy production. You, you, you actually, you actually went there, Sandile. You actually went there <laughs> to, the, to the element of privatizing ESCOM. It's true. It's, it's, like, it's such a nasty word in so many, in so many conversations. <laughs> it's the truth, though, because our government here in South Africa can't actually manage like all these parastatals. I mean, look at Transnet. Transnet is failing. ESCOM is failing. So many parastatals are failing. And the only way to solve this is to allow private investors to invest in these sectors, to invest in renewable energy in order for the power grid to improve. And that's the only way to solve this, you know? Mm. Mm. So 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 load shedding is going to be with us. Let me let me just stay let me stay with with load shedding and and wh- what do you what do you think then? I mean the scenarios for small and medium term enterprises devastating. Uh, people can't keep their doors open. I was speaking to 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 some people earlier on as callers and they were saying, you know, we we're beginning to lose our jobs. Um just just escom alone and load shedding. Um and, and the impact on, on the economy. Um, and forecast, forecast what, 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 what you anticipate. Um, I think that this energy crisis will still go on um, for maybe the next two years up until we come up with a solution. Maybe you need to invest more into renewable forms of energy such as maybe solar, mm. wind, or even nuclear. Um, but then, like, we also need to like we can't expand our coal mines anymore mm. because of global warming and stuff. So we need to invest more into renewable forms of energy, sure. maybe nuclear, wind, and solar. And we also need to allow private investors, private companies to invest in the energy sector because that's the only way that the energy sector will be able to grow because clearly mm. the government is failing. Mm. Now, the... Um the, you you mentioned the issue and 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 also Sandile mentioned the issue of of a recession. Now there's the there's the whole definition of what a technical recession is, and 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 then people will say, you know, what, it's not really a recession because it's a technical recession, and and the definition that there would be, you know, of a particular kind. If you don't have growth, and I think in two quarters, ultimately you you're you're in a technical recession. So you know the terminology then does not have the gravity of of 
of what it actually is. But 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 a recession is a recession is a recession. Yep. Um, are, are you are you guys forecasting a recession of of any kind this particular year? Because that's how we went into the into the beginning of this particular year. You know, the first thing I heard, first of January, second of January, economists are going, oh, and 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 you know, likely this year a recession. And I'm like. Wow, so early in the year, guys, is that is that a, how did you get there so fast, you know? <laughs> so 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 what's Investec suggesting? Uh look, um the 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 current uh, expectation is that there's going to be a mild recession. Mm. Um and I mean all of this is still is still some sort of part of the recovery process coming out of coming out of the pandemic. Mm. So what we're expecting is that, you know, as Sanila mentioned, that high interest rates, of course, um, constrain um, spending because people have got less, less capacity to borrow to, to go spend on what they need to spend on. Yeah. So even though th- there's a recession coming, our expectation is that it's going to be a very mild recession. And then after this recession, I would expect that, um, you know, uh, we might be fully out of, out of, out of the, the impact of the of the of the pandemic and and we can start rebuilding again after all this, mm. these cycles yeah mm. now now as as i begin to close the conversation give me you you've given me some some sense of 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 a good news story in mid year and end of the year any yeah. any other sort of rainbow on the horizon that we should be looking at in the economy in the south african space you know whether there's you know a particular development that that's going to come or whatever because we we we're in we're in divas at the moment divas and and yeah. and we've got four ministers there we don't have the president of course and we know yeah. why but but obviously we're trying to sell ourselves as a country and it's becoming it's becoming a harder and harder sell but 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 you know the doom and gloom story is there people losing jobs you know and all of these other stories um from from a economic perspective um what what could the other good news stories be um i mean I just need to go back to the electricity issue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I was reading something the other day that says we actually have about 46 gigs of, of capacity in the country. And I think of that 46, only 26 odd is, is functional. And, yeah. and, you know, it's that lack of availability that, that is putting pressure. And that's why we're seeing this much load shedding. So, you know, it's not like we need to rebuild new power stations from scratch to get power on. You know, we just need to direct resources and attention to, 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 to this, call it, mothballed um, capacity that we can bring back online. And I think if, if, if the guys that make the decisions are able to direct their, their attention in that, in, in, in that direction, mm. we might be able to come out of this, this electricity crisis much quicker than, than is anticipated. And of course, you fix that problem we get into the momentum of see you hopeful. I, I see you. You're really, really hopeful. We might get out Look, of I'm this a, electricity. I'm an, I'm an optimist. I believe in the country. Mm. Like I said to you, I really want to give up good news. Um, and and I am very hopeful. You know mm. that that we we somehow going to get to a tipping point where very very difficult conversations are are going to be had and mm. and very difficult decisions are going to be made. Mm. And I think we might need to, in the short term, while we build our renewable and clean energy capacity look at using what we have and what we're strong at, keep coal, mm-hmm. available capacity, bring, back, bring, bring that back online, mm-hmm. get the country moving again, and with that momentum, we'll be able to plug into, into this, um, this, this energy plan that's been brought out, which is really a mix of different sources of power 
to be able to create sustainable energy for the South African economy. Sure. Sandile, my, my last question then to you, um, as, as you've also raised slow but also uh, inequitable eco- economic growth, so it's not shared, you know, um, and, and, and Neo also talking there about, you know, how it hits, you know, the poorer men hardest. Um, and and he's going to experience all of that. So so for you, the the good news story, um, you know, apart apart from um, you know that that um, you know mediate might look a little better where where we're talking about inflation and all of those. Do do you see that particular rainbow? What what is it? Um, Positives can actually come from the United States because the reason why. The South African Reserve Bank is increasing interest rates mm. is because the Federal Reserve is also increasing interest rates. Mm. So the sub also needs to increase rates in order to stabilize the rand. But then the Fed is going to reach the terminal interest rate in a few months. I think the terminal interest rate is like 5%. Mm. Then after that, it might pivot and it might decrease interest rates. It might though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be a positive because if it starts decreasing interest rates, the sub will also decrease interest rates. That will be a positive now for mm. disposable income for consumers. That will also be a positive for investors, for the stock markets. Um, so that's the one part. Uh, the one positive is the Fed pivoting mm. on its interest rate hikes. The other positive is if the Chinese, uh, the Chinese economy starts opening, mm. that will be um, good for the South African economy because South Africa is a commodity-based economy. Um, basically, we make a lot of money by exporting commodities like gold um, and platinum and so forth. So once China opens and China is the world's biggest consumer of commodities, that will be a positive for mining companies in South Africa. That will also be a positive for the South African government because it will tax and earn tax revenue from all the extra revenue that the mining companies are making. And from um, those increased Mm -hmm. tax revenues, that will be good for um, the government bond yield. So basically, um, the interest rates on government securities will decrease, which is good for the stock market, it's Mm -hmm. good for the bond market. So it basically just means that um, the the financials of the government will improve um, because of increased revenues and decreased borrowing costs. And it needs to use all of that income to invest in the energy sector mm. because that's really crippling our economy right now. Mm. Sandile, I'm going to leave you and, and Neo. I'm going to leave you with this. Um, uh, Aristotle way, way, way back said, and he described poverty as the parent of revolution and crime, as we talk about socioeconomic issues. Describe poverty as the parent of revolution and crime. Neil uh, Ralafeta, economist at Investec, thank you so, so much for joining me at this late hour, Brur, and, and sharing your perspectives. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, Sandile, Brur, thank you so much for coming on board and thank you for sharing. And uh, we, we're going to have to, uh, with Neo, also just, just bring, bring the two of you back as we begin to, you know, dissect this economic space through, through, through the year. Thank you so much, Sandile. Thank you very much, sir. Cheers. Bye. That's Sandile and Lovo, also economist at UNISA. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za 
or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.